0: Epistle 30. Of Epistles of Cyprian by Cyprian. Translated by Robert Wallace. This LibriVox recordings of the public domain. Epistle 30. The Roman Clergy to Cyprian. Argument. The Roman Clergy enter into the matters which they had spoken of in the foregoing letter, more fully and substantially in the present one, replying, moreover, to another letter of Cyprian, which is thought not to be extant, and from which they quote a few words. By the way, also, they thanked Cyprian for his letters sent to the Roman confessors and martyrs. This letter was written, as were also the others of the Roman clergy during the vacancy of the see after the death of Fabian. To Father Cyprian, the presbyters and deacons abiding at Rome, greeting. Although a mind conscience to itself of uprightness and relying on the vigor of evangelical discipline, and made a true witness to itself... In the heavenly decrees is accustomed to be satisfied with God for its only judge, and neither to seek the praises nor to dread the charges of any other. Yet those are worthy of double praise, who, knowing that they owe their conscience to God alone as the judge, yet desire their doings should be approved also by their brethren themselves. It is no wonder, brother Cyprian, that you should do this, who, with your usual modesty and in inborn industry, have wished that we should be found not so much judges of, as sharers in, your counsels, so that we might find praise with you in your doings while we approve them, and might be able to be fellow heirs with you in your good counsels, because we entirely accord with them. In the same way, we are all thought to have labored in that in which we are all regarded as allied in the same agreement of censure and discipline." For what is there either in peace so suitable, or in a war of persecution so necessary, as to maintain the due severity of the divine vigour? Which he, who resists, will of necessity wander in the unsteady course of affairs, and will be tossed hither and thither, by the various and uncertain storm of things, and the helm of counsel being, as it were, wrenched from his hands, he will drive the ship of the church's safety among the rocks, so that it would appear that the church's safety can be no otherwise secured than by repelling any who set themselves against it as adverse waves, and by maintaining the ever-guarded rule of discipline itself, as if it were the rudder of safety in the tempest. Nor is it now, but lately, that this council has been considered by us, nor have these sudden appliances against the wicked, but recently occurred to us. But this is read of among us as the ancient severity, the ancient faith, the ancient discipline, since the Apostle would not have published such praise concerning us when he said, quote, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, end quote. Unless already from thence that vigor had borrowed the roots of faith from those times, from which praise and glory, it is a very great crime to have become degenerate. For it is less disgraced never to have attained to the heraldry of praise than to have fallen from the height of praise. It is a smaller crime not to have been honored with a good testimony than to have lost the honor of good testimonies. It is less discredit to have lain without the announcement of virtues, ignoble without praise, than disinherited of the faith to have lost our proper praises. For those things which are proclaimed to the glory of any one, unless they are maintained by anxious and careful pains, swell up into the odium of the greatest crime. That we are not saying this dishonestly, our former letters have proved, wherein we have declared our opinion to you with a very plain statement, both against those who had betrayed themselves as unfaithful by the unlawful presentation of wicked certificates, as if they thought that they would escape those ensnaring nets of the devil, "...whereas, not less than if they had approached to the wicked altars, they were held fast by the very fact that they had testified to him, and against those who had used those certificates when made, although they had not been present when they were made, since they had certainly asserted their presence by ordering that they should be so written. For he is not guiltless of wickedness who has bidden it to be done." nor is he unconcerned in the crime with whose consent it is publicly spoken of, although it was not committed by him. And since the whole mystery of the faith is understood to be contained in the confession of the name of Christ, he who seeks for deceitful tricks to excuse himself has denied Christ, and he who wants to appear to have satisfied either edicts or laws put forth against the gospel has obeyed those edicts by the very fact by which he wished to appear to have obeyed them. Moreover, also, we have declared our faith and consent against those, too, who have polluted their hands and their mouths with unlawful sacrifices, whose own minds were before polluted." whence also their very hands and mouths were polluted also. Far be it from the Roman church to slacken her vigor with so profane a facility, and to loosen the nerves of her severity by overthrowing the majesty of faith, so that, when the wrecks of your ruined brethren are still not only lying, but are falling around, remedies of a too hasty kind, and certainly not likely to avail, should be afforded for communion and by a false mercy, new wounds should be impressed on the old wounds of their transgression, so that even repentance should be snatched from these wretched beings to their greater overthrow. For where can the medicine of indulgence profit, if even the physician himself, by intercepting repentance, makes easy way for new dangers, if he only hides the wound and does not suffer the necessary remedy of time to close the scar? This is not to cure, but if we wish to speak the truth, to slay. Nevertheless, you have letters agreeing with our letters from the confessors, whom the dignity of their confession has still shut up here in prison, and whom, for the gospel contest, their faith has once already crowned in a glorious confession, letters wherein they have maintained the severity of the gospel discipline, and have revoked the unlawful petitions, so that they might not be a disgrace to the church. Unless they had done this, the ruins of gospel discipline would not easily be restored, especially since it was to none so fitting to maintain the tenor of evangelical vigor unimpaired and its dignity as to those who had given themselves up to be tortured and cut to pieces by raging men on behalf of the gospel, that they might not deservingly forfeit the honor of martyrdom if, on the occasion of martyrdom, they had wished to be betrayers of the gospel. For he who does not guard what he has, in that condition whereon he possesses it, by violating the condition whereon he possesses it, loses what he possessed. In which matter we ought to give you also, and we do give you, abundant thanks, that you have brightened the darkness of their prison by your letters, that you came to them in whatever way you could enter, that you refreshed their minds, ...robust in their own faith and confession, by your addresses and letters, that, following up their felicities with worthy praises, you have inflamed them to a much more ardent desire of heavenly glory, that you urged them forward, that you animated, by the power of your discourse, those who, as we believe in hope, will be victors by and by, so that although all may seem to come from the faith of those who confess and from the divine mercy yet they seem in their martyrdom to have become in some sort debtors to you. But once more, to return to the point whence our discourse appears to have digressed, you shall find subjoined the sort of letters that we also sent to Sicily. Although upon us is incumbent a greater necessity of delaying this affair, having, since the departure of Fabian, of most noble memory, had no bishop appointed as yet, on account of the difficulties of affairs and times, who can arrange all things of this kind and who can take account of those who are lapsed with authority and wisdom? However, what you also have yourself declared in so important a matter is satisfactory to us that the peace of the church must first be maintained, then that an assembly for council being gathered together with bishops, presbyters, deacons, and confessors, as well as with the lady who stand fast, we should deal with the case of the lapsed. For it seems extremely invidious and burdensome to examine into what seems to have been committed by many, except by the advice of many, or that one should give a sentence when so great a crime is known to have gone forth, and to be diffused among so many, since that cannot be a firm decree which shall not appear to have had the consent of very many." Look upon almost the whole world devastated, and observe that the remains and the ruins of the fallen are lying about on every side, and consider that therefore an extent of counsel is asked for, large in proportion as the crime appears to be widely propagated. Let not the medicine be less than the wound, let not the remedies be fewer than the deaths, that in the same manner as those who fell, fell for this reason, that they were too incautious with a blind rashness. So those who strive to set in order this mischief should use every moderation and counsels, lest anything done as it ought not to be should, as it were, be judged by all of no effect. Thus, with one in the same counsel, with the same prayers and tears, let us, who up to the present time seem to have escaped the destruction of these times of ours, as well as those who appear to have fallen into the calamities of the time, entreat the divine majesty and ask peace for the church's name. With mutual prayers, let us by turns cherish, guard, arm one another. Let us pray for the lapsed, that they may be raised up. Let us pray for those who stand, that they may not be tempted to such a degree as to be destroyed." Let us pray that those who are said to have fallen may acknowledge the greatness of their sin, and may perceive that it needs no momentary nor overhasty cure. Let us pray that penitence may follow also the effects of the pardon of the lapsed, that so, when they have understood their own crime, they may be willing to have patience with us for a while, and no longer disturb the fluctuating condition of the Church." lest they may seem themselves to have inflamed an internal persecution for us, and the fact of their unquietness be added to the heap of their sins. For modesty is very greatly fitting for them, in whose sins it is an immodest mind that is condemned. Let them indeed knock at the doors, but assuredly let them not break them down. Let them present themselves at the threshold of the church, but certainly let them not leap over it. Let them watch at the gates of the heavenly camp, but let them be armed with modesty, by which they perceive that they have been deserters. Let them resume the trumpet of their prayers, but let them not therewith sound a point of war. Let them arm themselves indeed with the weapons of modesty, and let them resume the shield of faith, which they have put off by their denial through the fear of death. But let those that are even now armed believe that they are armed against their foe, the devil, not against the church which grieves over their fall. A modest petition will much avail them, a bashful entreaty, a necessary humility, a patience which is not careless. Let them send tears as their ambassadors for their sufferings. Let groanings brought forth from their deepest heart discharge the office of advocate, and prove their grief and shame for the crime they have committed. Nay, if they shudder at the magnitude of the guilt incurred, if with a truly medicinal hand they deal with the deadly wound of their heart and conscience and the deep recesses of the subtle mischief, let them blush even to ask, except, again, that it is a matter of greater risk and shame not to have besought the aid of peace. But let all this be in the sacrament, In the law of their very entreaty, let consideration be had for the time. Let it be with downcast entreaty, with subdued petition. Since he also who is besought ought to be bent, not provoked. And as the divine clemency ought to be looked to, so also ought the divine censure. And as it is written, "I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me." So it is written. "...whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father and before his angels." For God, as he is merciful, so he exacts obedience to his precepts, and indeed carefully exacts it. And as he invites to the banquet, so the man that hath not a wedding garment, he binds hands and feet, and casts him out beyond the assembly of saints. He has prepared heaven, but he has also prepared hell." He has prepared places of refreshment, but He has also prepared eternal punishment. He has prepared the light that none can approach unto, but He has also prepared the vast and eternal gloom of perpetual night. Desiring to maintain the moderation of this middle course in these matters, we for a long time, and indeed many of us, and, moreover, with some of the bishops who are near to us and within reach, and some whom, placed afar off, the heat of the persecution had driven out from other provinces, have thought that nothing new was to be done before the appointment of a bishop. But we believe that the care of the lapsed must be moderately dealt with, so that, in the meantime, whilst the grant of a bishop is withheld from us by God, the cause of such as are able to bear the delays of postponement should be kept in suspense. But of such an impending death does not suffer to bear the delay, having repented and professed a detestation of their deeds with frequency, if with tears, if with groans, if with weeping, they have betrayed the signs of a grieving and truly penitent spirit, when there remains, as far as man can tell, no hope of living, to them finally, such cautious and careful help should be ministered, God himself knowing what he will do with such, and in what way he will examine the balance of his judgment, While we, however, take anxious care that neither ungodly men should praise our smooth facility, nor truly penitent men accuse our severity as cruel, we bid you, most blessed and glorious Father, ever heartily farewell in the Lord, and have us in memory. End of Epistle 30, read by David Ronald.